Welcome to Getting Behind the Desk, the 12-episode podcast series about the past, present, and future of broadcast journalism. Your host, John Dills, a senior mass communications major at Piedmont University, is going to explore topics relating to what broadcast has grown to be and what we can expect in the future. Diversity is a key topic in broadcast journalism. Joining me today is Mandy Woodruff-Santos, reporter, entrepreneur, and social media influencer. What brought you into journalism? When I was growing up, reading and writing were everything I knew how to do and everything I wanted to do. So for me, it made a lot of sense to find a career that was born out of that love for storytelling. And I also remember being in high school when I was thinking about how do I sort of take my love for writing and my talent for writing and segue that into a profession. I remember reading magazines and the letter from the editor, and especially teen magazines was usually written by the editor-in-chief and I think it was 17 magazine they had an editor-in-chief and she would write the letter to the editor and it, it letter from the editor and it seemed very glamorous it seemed very cool to get to run a magazine and to write content for young women and I thought that that's what I was wanted to do I wanted to get into magazines and I literally went to college and I studied journalism and back then they allowed you to focus on magazines. That was legal. You could do that. And that okay. was so crazy. <laughs> um, you know, print journalism with the specialty of magazines. So that's what I studied. Um, and fortunately, it worked out for me. Yeah, I found I had a great, had a great career in journalism. And it's, what's been really fun about branching off into entrepreneurship and really controlling my own schedule was that I've gotten to write again in a way that I didn't had the chance to the past five to six years when I was kind of establishing myself as a senior director and managing a team and starting a family and didn't have the bandwidth to really do what I love, which was writing. And I've enjoyed getting back to my roots in that way. So off of that, what is, what's like the key difference between news writing for newspaper and writing for magazine that you've noticed? Magazines pay more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Um, you know, there's not much of a, well, it's, it's not even the outlet so much, but it's what type of story you're telling. There's a big difference between news storytelling and, and kind of giving an semi-objective coverage and chronicling of the news and what's happening versus when I tend to write for magazines or even more so just online media outlets in general, adding in my own point of view and feeling more free to infuse it with my tone, my voice. And that is a very different style of writing than what you typically learn as a, as an objective, quote unquote, objective news reporter. And for me, what was great about finding my place as a writer, uh, as I am today, is that I'm able to sort of, I'm able to do a lot of writing that I know competitors of mine can't do because I have a, a background in, in journalism. I know how to fact find, I know how to vet sources, I know how to get together data to bolster my own point of view and to, yes, showcase, showcase my point of view, but also add a lot of credibility and authority to what I have to say by backing it up with things like facts and other sources and things like that. Um, 
what was the rest of your question? I'm sorry. Uh, you one. actually answered all of that. <laughs> um, okay, great. <laughs> um, so you kind of started in uh, journalism's or journalism and worked in uh, for magazines, and then now you're really an entrepreneur and running your own business. Can you tell me what that's like? It's been a really fun journey. I have to say that spending the first decade of my career really focused on, well, one, getting a job in the first place. I graduated during the recession and it was difficult as a journalist to go into that job market and feel optimistic. Like every speaker we had coming to college, coming to our school to speak to the students that year was super depressing because they came from newspapers or broadcast journalism and they were going through it. Their colleagues were being laid off. They didn't know if they were going to have a job the next day. And, you know, they were supposed to come talk to us and inspire us to follow their footsteps into this career. And I just remember feeling like, Ooh, seems kind of dicey, but still, I didn't really know how to do much else. So for me, it was only one way forward just to keep going. Um, let's see. But you know, having my own business now, after having kind of established my career the past 10 years, what I was doing, I look back at it now, and I, yes, I was doing the work of a journalist and learning how to tell stories, but I also pushed myself, like I said, to become a senior leader at my company and to actually get experience building a team and not just being one of the writers to create the content, but really becoming an owner and a leader and learning what it takes to operate a content business and how to hire writers and how to develop and grow talent and all those amazing experiences. And at the same time, I always had an entrepreneurial side of me and I like to call it entrepreneurialism, which I feel like is when you're entrepreneurial, but you're doing it within your career, you're sort of doing it within your day job. So while I was at Yahoo Finance, for example, I pitched the idea of doing a video series called Money Minute and I produced it and wrote the script and um, you know was the on-air talent for that and it was kind of my own little thing I still did my day-to-day -day reporting but I was kind of always looking for something fresh and fun to kind of focus on and new skills to develop because like I said I studied magazines and any smart reporter student today knows that they kind of have to know a little bit of everything podcasting broadcast video social media general marketing SEO like there's much more than just writing. Writing is just a tippy, tippy, tip of the iceberg now. Um, and so I always had that little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, and I satisfied that at work with things like the video series I launched at Yahoo Finance. But then I also really wanted something of my own. At the end of the day, when you're entrepreneurial, it's great because you get to use your, your company's resources to play around and to try something new, which is nice because you don't have to take on any risk. But at the end of the day, they still own that product. So I couldn't take Mandy money or sorry, um, I couldn't take that money minute series with me anywhere. So when I wanted to create a podcast, I did actually pitch it to Yahoo at the time. And thankfully they turned me down, but I just created brand ambition on my own with my podcast partner. And that was my way of, I realized creating something that I could own and I could carry with me. And all those skills that I acquired over time, I'm now getting to use those as an entrepreneur but it makes a lot of sense. It, it makes a lot of sense that I ended up working independently because I spent the last 10 years building all these skill sets and I was really ready 
to take control and be in, be in control of what kind of work I wanted to take on and creating a business that is so beautifully cobbled together of all the things that I enjoy doing most. That's wonderful. I, I mean, you've really like had an amazing career at, you know, with other businesses, but in your business as well. So I think that's really wonderful. Um, so you mentioned your podcast. Um, I think that'll kind of lead us into the main topic of today. What does diversity mean to you? Pretty simple for me. Diversity is looking around and seeing and hearing other experiences that are different from your own and valuing that and understanding the importance of that. Yeah, that's diversity to me. Okay. So in your opinion, is it important to have, or is it important to have a diverse community of journalists for news media platforms? Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't understand how, I don't understand how media organizations today can have any chance of or hopes of growing their audience if they are not employing a group of journalists that is inclusive of people who represent their audience, you know? So if you're, if you fancy yourself a national media brand, but your staff is nothing like the makeup of our nation, then are you really getting are you really getting in touch with your readers and understanding where they are? Are you able to go to the places where the stories are happening and build trust with that community so that they will share their stories with you? I think back to anytime there's like an immigration crisis. And I know several years ago, there was a crisis at the border. And I mean, hundreds of immigrants trying to come to the U.S. at the Mexican border. And you had, you know, the children in cages and that whole moment. And the reporters, the news outlets who were scrambling to find Spanish-speaking reporters were probably like, oh, maybe we should have thought about this and invested in reporters who understand these communities and understand the language and can help us and, you know, to become better at telling those stories. So, yeah, it's absolutely important. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And we see platforms such as uh, NPR and they have positions available constantly where they're hiring for diverse reporters and that's what the role is yeah. it's someone who has been in a different community from what is the most common in the area and looking to be able to be more inclusive of everyone and I think that's really important especially as we move on from like the last like the past of what has happened in broadcast where it's been very, or not just broadcast, but journalism where it's been very focused on certain uh, communities and people. So I think that's very Mm -hmm. important that it's very inclusive. Yeah. And I think NPR, well, obviously they had their, they had their controversies and criticism. And I think it's very healthy to be critical of our, of our news outlets as, consumers as people who are paying for those NPR subscriptions or New York Times subscriptions, you know, if, and also as employees of those organizations, I've been really proud to see peers and colleagues standing up and calling out leadership for a lot of lip service around inclusion and diversity. When, if you look at the, 
to hear the voices that are on news stations or writing articles, they're, they're still majority white and still majority male. Are you really invested? So I'm glad to hear that these organizations are, you know, actually thoughtfully going out and recruiting black and brown talent because it's crucial. But I think it's also indicative of the fact that they know that they're being watched and they know that people will care enough to call them out on it. I think that's really important as well. And you mentioned uh, the U.S.-Mexico border and what happened there a couple years ago. Where... Like, do you think there was a lesson learned in all of that, that, you know, it's very important to have reporters who are able to reach out to these communities, but as well as reach out, but be inclusive of them? Do you think that's important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, like, for example, if you were the one Spanish-speaking reporter at your news outlet when all that was going down, they probably were thrilled it was a great opportunity to send you to the border and have you reporting live, but who's taking care of you? Who's backing you up? If you're the only one, what a lonely position to be in. And I think news outlets have to do a really, have to be really thoughtful about how they are supporting their diverse talent, not just recruiting us, but how are you going to make sure that like to be a reporter covering crime, a black reporter and recovering the deaths of people who look like your family at the hands of police, you know, that is excruciatingly painful work to do as human beings. So say what you want about being objective as a journalist, but that's bullshit. You know, I'm a black woman. And if if I'm out there and I I don't cover these types of stories, but I, I know a lot of black reporters do, but how are you caring for us and taking care of us? And what sort of resources do you have to support us through that really challenging work? Um, and that's what I want to see as well is not just recruiting black and brown talent, but actually having infrastructure like mentor programs for them, mental health resources for them, and not just hiring one, but hiring a whole team so that they can be supportive of one another. Those are the real meaningful investments that I think we should definitely see more of from news organizations. Yeah, I totally agree with that, especially like when there is a journalist who's reporting on a story that hits very close to home you know they want that journalists really honestly needs backup of their colleagues but they also Mm -hmm. need to know that they can find comfort around them and so I think that's really important what you just said about having those resources and that stability around them where they feel safe and they feel welcome and they feel supported so I think that was really important So I am working towards a career in broadcast journalism. I wanted to ask you, what advice can you share with me as I slowly but surely enter this field? Into broadcast journalism? Yes. Writing is really important. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes in broadcast who aren't good writers. And I think you kind of have to be a jack of all trades now or Jane of all trades rather. Um, when it comes to being able to storytell and storytelling in different mediums. You know, for me, it was a really great experience getting to learn. I was always a traditional writer, for example, but when I had to learn how to write a script for myself and I'm like, that's how many words I have. It was like a <laughs> hundred, you know, to fit into a 60 second video. That's definitely a different muscle to flex, but I got to be really good at it to the point where, you know, when I would write an article, I could then go ahead and write the script for the video team because it was a lot harder for them to take my personal finance content, my niche of personal finance, and without the knowledge of the space like I had, 
it was harder for them to distill it down to like a 60 second clip. But I, I understand the subject matter so well that I was much better at doing that. So I definitely think understanding and being and practicing your craft as far as writing is really important. Um, what kind of broadcast, like, are you trying to get as a producer, camera operator, like on air? Yeah. So I want to be on air talent. I want to be more specifically, um, I'm hoping to start as a multimedia journalist and work my way to being a more traditional reporter. So uh, I would want to be on camera. Oh, okay. Um, okay, great. I think the beauty of technology and social media today is that you don't really have to wait to put yourself on camera anymore. And you can tell stories on your own and start testing out stories on your own through platforms like Instagram and TikTok and building your own audience, I think a lot of weight and a lot of, um, a lot of, I don't want to say focus, but there is, there is something to be said about building your own unique audience and building your own brand individually. And that was one of the smartest things I did with my career was I intentional, I was intentional about my brand and sharing my work with my peers and establishing myself as a subject matter expert in my space and really not being afraid to lean into my niche, which was personal finance. And today is personal finance at the intersection of career as well. So for you, I think it's like identifying a niche and then building your audience on social media and testing things out, not being afraid. Some people roll their eyes at social media, but it's such a powerful platform. And if you have your own audience that gives you additional power at a network it's not just like john is disposable john has hundred thousand fans who would be really pissed off if you don't renew his contract and give him a big fat <laughs> raise you know <laughs> that's power it gives you leverage um let's see yeah definitely don't wait around till you get the fancy job at cnn or abc or wherever you're looking just start creating content just like you're doing right now and testing it out. Yeah, and I'm currently working on my senior project, um, my senior capstone project, and it's in, it includes like articles that I've written, blog posts that I've made, but it also includes an audio element, so podcasting, and then it includes um, broadcast uh, packages that are going to eventually be made into a full real demo. And so I'm kind oh. of getting like, like you said, like the Jack or the Jane of all trades with all these different things. So I think it's very exciting and it's very revealing of my talent as well. So I think that's a good thing. And I can kind of show where I feel comfortable and where I know what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. obviously like I'm seeing as I go through where I can work on as well. And I think that's also very, very important, but you know, it's a very difficult industry to get into, especially as, as there's more competition as time goes on. And so I, I really think that was helpful that you said, like, don't let my writing slide as I'm working on other things as well. So I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, there's always going to be competition, but people get tired, people quit, people move on. The people who have the jobs that you want today, they may move on by the time you get there. Like, you know, it, time is a really beautiful equalizer in a way. Um, it shifts. Things are always constantly shifting and it 
I remember feeling like you felt looking at a career in journalism and feeling like all the great jobs were taken and where do I kind of fit in here? But, you know, kind of, it's sort of like trying to figure out the right time to hop on an escalator, but then kind of once you're on it, things are just kind of moving and you kind of, it's like a never ending escalator in a way. Um, so, you know, just waiting for that opening and then reminding yourself one job at a time, one gig at a time. Um, you know, for me, I, I wish that I had more of a conversation around personal finance way before I launched my career. I'm lucky that I stumbled into personal finance reporting, but, you know, I think for young journalists to, to understand their finances and to have a safety net, financial safety net, so that you enable yourself to make, to take risks with your career and to do things that, and to wait for opportunities that are right for you versus having to kind of take whatever comes your way, as I had to early in my career, because you were like financially not capable of, of waiting. Yeah. And I, I, I see that as quite possibly my future is not waiting because I may not have a choice. And, you know, I hope that wherever and whatever job I can land is the one that sits like perfectly for me. And it, it fits me, my personality and who I am and what I feel is correct. I hope it fits all of those characteristics. And that's really my hope in journalism is telling the story, obviously, truthfully, but still being able to ethically feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a lot of pressure to put on your very first job. I don't think your very first job will tick every single box, but it's not about, I think, finding the exact right, perfect fit right away, but it's about finding something that you can learn from and where's the opportunity here. Maybe it's not the best paying job, but you get to work with someone who you really respect or it gives you access to people who can help you learn some skills that you have, you wouldn't be able to learn otherwise, you know? Um, and also just being uh, kind of getting used to the idea that, okay, I'm probably not going to just have the one job and be done. Like maybe moving around a little bit is how you find out what you like and don't like about different um, places to work. And I mean, I spend a lot of time coaching women on how to navigate their careers and it can feel uncomfortable, but sometimes you have to quit to move forward you know, quit for a new opportunity somewhere else. That was definitely a key strategy throughout my career that I think worked out pretty well, but it's a little bit taboo to talk about. Yeah, that's for sure. It's very like looked down upon in society mm -hmm. once you're somewhere to really stay. And I feel like society pressures everyone to kind of stay where they feel comfortable. But I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode. This means a lot. And especially you've, done so much in journalism and now you're starting being an entrepreneur over the last uh, little bit of time. So I think that's really wonderful. So thank you so much. I want to thank Mandy Woodruff Santos for joining me today on this episode of Getting Behind the Desk. Thank you for listening to Getting Behind the Desk with John Dills. Look for a new episode each week highlighting different perspectives of broadcast journalism from the past, present, or future. 